Hello, Internet. How's it going? Welcome to episode 15 of Outrage Factory, the Internet's foremost podcast on shit that pissed you off on the Internet this week. And I think this week's turn is for us to piss you off. Yeah, so I had the immense pleasure of being on the receiving end of some internet outrage, uh, making some people pretty angry, actually, looking back on it. This is classic, Derek, uh, if you don't know us personally and are just following us since this podcast. Derek used to kind of not really troll the internet, but he would post... Stuff that would get people to argue with him, not necessarily on purpose because he still believes Definitely it. on purpose. Well, you still believe it, so it's not quite a troll. Because a troll you just put out there to piss someone off, and it's not necessarily something you believe in. It's like the modern-day devil's advocate. Yeah. that's And I do, I do like encouraging discussion. Yeah. Uh, we were recently interviewed on uh, Intergalactic Interviews, another great local podcast. And it has video, so you can finally see what we look like, and uh, don't get your hopes up. Uh, yeah, but uh, 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 yeah? Wait, where was I going with that? I don't know. You, where were you going with this? Intergalactic Interviews, we were recently on it. Oh, and uh, and the, the host of that podcast, Jamie McDonald, uh, commended us on the level of engagement we're able to get from our uh, scant few listeners <laughs> <laughs> online. Uh, and I think a big part of that is uh, kind of promoting discussion and alternative viewpoints. Uh, but what we ended up with this week was something uh, People- totally different. People telling Derek how he was wrong, I personally avoided it because, unlike Derek, I don't actually like arguing on the internet, and even though I share Derek's opinions on... Okay, let's just get into it. Okay, so so, uh, for those of you who maybe spent the last week in a cave, uh, Chester Bennington, lead singer of the uh, rap rap rock, new metal hybrid... Yeah, that's uh, exactly what Whatever they were. uh, Band Linkin Park uh, committed suicide... Uh, over, yeah, it was on, it was about a week ago. Yeah. No, it was, it was within this week. On, uh, I think yeah. it was like Wednesday. Yeah. So obviously, uh, a big tragedy. Uh, and of course the, uh, a- any high profile suicide is, and any suicide is tragic, any high profile suicide doubly so, but it was met with this almost, uh, uh I don't like when people say suicides are tragic. Oh, see, now we're going to get into it. Because, one, yeah, it sucks that that person was sad enough to kill themselves and he couldn't rectify, he or her couldn't rectify their problems enough and just figured to end it. But it's less tragic to me because everybody has mental problems to an extent. Everybody feels down at some point and sometimes life kicks you in the nuts. Like, I can't really say I'm really above this because as a person who was single for 10 years yeah I thought about it but I never did it I never even came close to doing it and I don't think someone who's like well I'm out should be considered tragic yeah it sucks and it's tragic for the people left behind who have to deal with the fact that they couldn't help a person from ending their own life See, I think I think you're uh, touching on two. So there's like people who are depressed or sad about like what's going on in their life, but then there yeah. are people who are like fundamentally depressed because of like a chemical imbalance in their brains, and people who are suicidal because uh, to these people, like they they aren't thinking rationally, they aren't envisioning the future. They to them there is literally no other. Like you look at a guy like Chester Bennington, who uh, you know millions of dollars, His highly net successful. Worth? His net worth was thirty million dollars. Yeah, like universally adored by by uh, Linkin Park's yeah. fans, uh, and a, a guy who is definitely making a difference in the lives of others, and still, uh, and this is different from because we saw the Chris Cornell suicide, where Dale and I both kind of raised questions about that. Like, well, there weren't any r- real indicators that he was suicidal. You look back through, uh, you know, Chester Bennington's. Uh, kind of lyrical history his catalog if you will there were definitely some warning signs there that the that the guy wasn't feeling uh super positive about life so uh i i think i personally feel as as though it's a tragedy i think uh any suicide is a tragedy but people have this almost formulaic response to it now where uh 
somebody somebody kills themselves, uh, somebody famous kills themselves, and their immediate response is to just tweet the suicide hotline number. And we use the term too much on our podcast, but it's applicable here, and it's virtue signaling. Like, yeah, that's it's. it's it's hard to broach this subject because it is a touchy one and a lot of people are pretty emotional about it because people want to post the suicide hotline to show that they care and even though the suicide didn't affect them personally that they are an empathetic human being and they want everybody to know out there that they also consider suicide a bad thing and that people who need help should seek it out which I think should just be the default. Like, I think it should be just default considered we're all empathetic and we don't have to go about saying, hey, I'm a person who has a heart. And yeah, just just assume like, hey, you're another human being. You probably don't like it when other people kill themselves. And yeah. if you could stop it, you would. Uh, that that should just be the baseline. I want to add the caveat here because apparently a lot of people were bent out of shape uh, about what I said with uh I, I think suicide hotlines are totally essential thing. I think they save lives. I think uh, it's important that if you're ever, you know, depressed or feeling down, that you reach out to the resources that are available to you. Uh, I also want to say that I have no problem with people who have struggled with depression or suicide themselves going and sharing their personal experiences on social media in an effort to kind of build a community and, and a network of resources that can kind of help uh, help protect people if they ever start h- hitting those lows in their own lives. Yeah, like if you're feeling sad, you should be able to reach out someone that you either care about, de- care for deeply, who can help you maybe get through a rough patch or something. So yeah, but in this case, we had uh, thousands and thousands of people. Like their immediate response was, "Hey, here's this suicide hotline number." Uh, I'm going to and then we saw probably for the first time uh, and and definitely better executed by some people than others like myself, (laughs) uh, who is a moron, uh, kind of pushing back and saying, like, you know, guys, this this isn't enough. Uh, I'll share my tweet, uh, which if you follow me on Twitter at Herder with six R's, you would have witnessed uh, firsthand in all its glory. But what I said was uh, sharing suicide hotline numbers in the wake of a high profile suicide is the new thoughts and prayers uh, in the wake of a mass shooting. And what I meant by that is that just doing that alone is, like Dale said, it's it's virtue signaling. It's It serves no real purpose. It has no measurable benefit to anyone. Um, if you're only doing that in in the wake of, of a suicide, uh, you're not helping anyone. And I want to say... Anybody who's feeling this way and has the acumen to be on Twitter probably already knows this suicide hotline number or they can Google it just as easily as you did. What's the thing? I understand you're trying to help, but what you got to realize is just posting the number isn't actually helping and it doesn't kind of get you off the hook to feel better about yourself for making a difference. Yeah, so what some other people said probably uh, in a better way, Twitter user uh, non-binary which, <laughs> pretty clever. Pretty I, th- clever I, thought it was, I thought it was noob in a tree. <laughs> uh, said, mentally ill people need more from you than just tweeting out the suicide hotline every time a famous person kills themselves. Yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. Uh, Twitter user Craig SJ said, "Can I just say, someone who struggled with depression for 15 plus years, that throwing the goddamn suicide hotline number in the feed is futile." Uh, f- futile? 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 Uh, he has a question mark at the end of it, so futile. It, it's not us not being able to read; it's us trying to interpret his grammar. Properly. Yeah. So and it's the same thing with thoughts and prayers. I'm sure the people who are like, "Oh, thoughts and prayers with whatever tragedy took place," I'm sure they feel they're helping, they're showing their support. Yeah. And we see this more and more now. Facebook has those fucking goddamn uh those like skins for your profile picture every time a tragedy happens. Yeah, like if like the most famous one, I think was one of the first ones, the red equal signs for uh gay marriage. Yeah. yeah. That you support gay marriage. Which it's weird because I personally, I'm always like, doesn't everybody support gay marriage? Because I think I forget that there is a world out there that is further away than North America, like China, that just made 
gay relationships in TV shows illegal. Yeah, Russia is really uh, has clamped down on that, and yeah. a lot of like uh, fundamentalist Muslim societies have and like, Africa and stuff. Yeah. It's all it's like illegal to be gay, which is terrible. But so what you should do? I'm just jumping on to the gay marriage thing because it's a le- it's more easily addressed than the suicide. So what you should do is. Vote with your wallet. Like, if you don't like something, don't buy it. If you like something, buy it or put money behind it. So what you do when you like something is you don't just tweet the number for the suicide hotline. You donate money to the suicide hotline so that they can have more operators, have more, uh, I don't know, like, capacity to take calls. Or even donate to, like, mental health charities that are kind of, like, looking to nip the problem in the bud. So maybe, like, we'll always need a suicide hotline number, but make a donation. There's some great charities out there who are doing work uh, to uh, improve, kind of address the gaps in the the health system where uh, where society is failing. Or even beyond that, if you don't want to just put money and forget about it, find one of your friends or acquaintances who you've noticed is down and... Mm -hmm take them out to the park or just do something to cheer them up. Like there are free ways to address, I guess the global problem of mental health issues and kind of just let, like just letting someone know you're there is probably more effective than being like, Oh, Hey, here's this number. You here's can this call, call this sad. person. Yeah. I don't, I don't really want to talk to you, but call these people. Yo, instead. I get you're really sad, but these guys are specifically built to do this, to step in at the last second. So, and it's the thing like, uh, going back to your gay marriage example, like, okay, so you threw a skin on your, on your Facebook profile picture showing you support people, but how, how do you support that? Yeah, exactly. Is that the extent of it? Like, do you just add the, the skin you're, and this is a problem that we see cropping up again and again with uh, slacktivism and social media networks have made this uh, a lot more uh, widespread and visible in that people, you know, they share something online or they post a message or they change their Facebook profile picture. And in, in the brain, that activates the same altruism center like, oh, I helped with something. Yeah. I did a good deed today. I'm doing stuff. And it actually uh, has been proven to to prevent or limit people from making contributions beyond that. Because from what your brain can tell, yeah, you've you've helped. You've contributed in a meaningful way. You can go back about your life. uh, But you you fucking haven't. You have done literally nothing. Look, I get it. I'm a lazy guy. I like to uh, take the... Uh, path the least difficult and the, the path of no resistance yeah, ideally yeah but uh yeah like Derek said like your brain tricks itself into being like oh I did something and I've always been a fan of doing stuff and giving to charities just for purely egocentric uh means like if you give money to a poor person you're like I gave money to a poor person I did something I'm a good person I am a good person and you know what that's valid if you actually do good acts you should be able to call yourself a good person what I'm saying and I think Derek's saying is that just posting the hotline number isn't actually doing something good so you don't actually get to call yourself a good person I mean you're probably a good person because you wanted to post it in the first place, but do a little more so that you can call yourself a good person. It's pretty much the equivalent of walking up to a homeless person and instead of, you know, giving them money so that they can eat, being like, hey, buddy, money's really good. It helps you eat. You should get a job. Like that's, <laughs> and, and I actually see this shit all the time in Vancouver, and I want to punch those people yeah. in the mouths because, like, how more useless can you be? Like, you yeah. don't think the homeless person... Homeless person knows that money is required to eat and that you yeah. can earn money through employment. That's not why they're homeless. Uh, a, a suicidal or depressed person, they're aware the suicide hotline exists. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it would be – there's probably one or two suicidal people who don't know about the suicide hotline, but those people aren't on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I will – so a personal anecdote, uh, five, five years ago, six years ago, five years ago – uh, I got like full on into this. That would have been five years ago. The Coney, uh, Coney oh, 2012 Jesus. thing. Uh, Joseph Coney was like this notorious yeah. African warlord uh, who was like, 
Kill Coney. Mobilizing. It was it was just stop Coney. Kill was Kill it? was a little aggressive. Yeah. I thought it was Kill Coney. No, I don't. I mean, they everyone wanted him dead, but I don't think that yeah. was the hashtag. Um, but it was the same thing. I was like, I wrote a blog post about it, and I like was sharing the shit all over the internet, and I was like, we need to do something about this. You know, I'm raising awareness. I'm super helpful. Um, and uh, everyone was like, well, this is kind of like this is this is pointless. Like, why why are you doing this? Um, and I was like, well, awareness, guys. Like, it's super important. We got to raise awareness about this issue. We can defeat this through through awareness. Uh, awareness is like the most uh, yeah. like bankrupt. Like, there's it, there's no currency. Awareness is not a currency that is worth anything. Like, yeah. okay, you you know something exists. Now, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Yeah, basically, awareness is just saying, like, here's something I feel about. Let's tell other people that it exists so they do something about it so I could just go about my way doing nothing to help this cause. Yeah. So the Coney thing, which takes us to uh, last month where I found a news article that was posted. Uh, Uganda's military announced on Wednesday it is ending its pursuit of internationally known warlord Joseph Coney. Uh, the news comes shortly after the United States decision last month to pull out of the manhunt for Coney, who was wanted by the International Criminal Court. So all that fucking awareness. This was the most, like, successful viral fundraising yeah. campaign. Uh, there were a few setbacks, like, when the, the guy who was kind of spearheading the whole thing went on some, like, naked, drug-fueled, like, rampage yeah, he would, downtown he, L.A. I something. think he had a complete mental breakdown and was masturbating in public. Yeah, oh, they, yeah something like that. Yeah. Which, you know, not going to help your cause. But, like, all this awareness, and you look at all the awareness that's generated, it accomplished nothing. Because here we are five years later. Coney is, uh, is still out there. Well, he is... Like, they say that they're pulling out because he's in survival mode and his army is no longer viable because it's down to less than 100 people. So he can't... He basically is at a point where he has to hide and he can't just go fight people with thousands of warriors. Okay, Dale. Well, thanks. I guess all that awareness solved the problem. Well, no. <laughs> no, because it, was, it, it was took, the armies It did. took five years and all. the only thing that the United States did was send 100 troops to train Uganda's military to fight Kony, which I don't think the money stopped Kony. I don't think that fundraising went to hire these 100 I mean, even the, fun, the fundraising did something to help people spread the message. I'm never going to, like, rag on donating money to something. But just, like, if, if all you did, even with that, like, all I did. So, you know, uh, disclaimer, I did not donate any money to the Stop Coney campaign. I did tweeted about it incessantly. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, who could have guessed? Yeah. Uh, I wrote a blog post about it. I did my little piece to, to spread awareness, and I felt really good about saving those Ugandan children. Yeah. Uh, but I did nothing beyond talking about it on the internet. Yeah, so. Um, I, some interesting, so a lot of people came out of the, the woodwork to get uh, really, really upset with me. A lot of them were arguing things that I wasn't actually saying. Like, they were getting upset that uh, I had uh, slagged suicide hotlines or that I was, like, ragging on depressed people who share their experiences. And that's kind of why I added the disclaimer at the end or beginning of this segment. I'm not doing any of those things. Again, this is specific to people who only share uh, the suicide hotline, which a lot of people, even just arguing that, were saying it was essential. Uh, so I ran some numbers. So uh, on July 20th alone, the number of tweets sharing uh, the suicide hotline number, there were 89,000 tweets in one day. Oh, wow. One day sharing. So you and 80... 8,999 other people wrote the exact same tweet and sent it out there uh, with a reach of 19.5 million people and 291,000 engagements. Uh, that includes like retweets, likes, comments, whatever. Yeah. Um, so you blanketed Twitter with the suicide hotline number again. Uh, and that doesn't even count like retweets. I looked at my feed after, and that's what kind of prompted my response, is that it was just all people sharing the suicide hotline. Nobody yeah. doing anything fucking else. Uh, in the previous three months prior to Chester Bennington's suicide, uh, so 89,000 that day alone, previous three months, there were three, about 3,500 tweets yeah. with the suicide hotline. Uh, with that reached 2.3 million people uh, and 1.6 thousand engagements. So engagement on those tweets was much lower 
than your Chester Bennington suicide hotline tweet got. And uh, for such a vital, life-saving message, it's weird that people only do it like the day of yeah. a high profile. And I get it. You're concerned about copycats or whatever. But if this shit saves lives, why aren't you tweeting that number every fucking day? Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm not really going to argue it because I agree with Derek here. Ah, we're agreeing again. Oh, we need a little conflict no. here. But yeah, like, I don't want to be too harsh or anything. But yeah, in the end. It was a guy In who, the end. Because uh, it was a Linkin Park song. Get damn. it? Damn. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, like his $30 million wasn't enough. His super fame wasn't enough. And in the end, he, sorry, you just distract me. Anyways, so basically what it all comes down to is all this money, all this fame wasn't enough. And he still had a chemical imbalance in his brain that he just didn't want to live anymore. And I get that, and that su- sucks and everything. And if $30 million and all this fame isn't going to stop him from doing it, you tweeting the hotline number isn't going to stop someone from doing it. Yeah, I think it just goes to show you that, like, depression's a motherfucker. It affects a lot of people. Suicide is, like, a double motherfucker, and it yeah. affects uh, more people than I would ever, like... No, because a lot of people just tend to suffer in silence. I think it is super important that you get out there, you share your experiences, you be a shoulder to lean on for your friends, whether online or in real life. You donate to these charities. Stop tweeting the fucking number, guys. It's not yeah. helping anyone. Uh, lastly, there there was this tweet from uh, Sean Kent. I don't know who he is, but th- this one uh, really pissed me off the most. He said, to honor Chester Bennington's life, the best thing you can do is retweet the suicide hotline prevention number. Oh, that this, wasn't sarcastic? No, this was a real, real tweet from a real guy. And he thought, legitimately believes that, like, the best thing you can do to honor this recently dead multi-platinum musician who, like, made a difference in his community, the best thing you can re- do is retweet his tweet about the suicide. That that like I looked at that and I was like, this has to be sarcastic. It wasn't sarcastic. This oh. is something a person legitimately believes. It's not the best fucking thing. It is like the least, yeah, the smallest, smallest effort you can make uh, in the wake of a tragedy is to to retweet something, or to uh, to update your Facebook profile picture, or to spread awareness. Yeah. Um, like, look, guys, I get it. In the face of really tragic shit, it's easy to get overwhelmed with like. Feelings of hopelessness, um, and and to really feel like you can't do anything, uh, and I I think that's the true value of gestures like these. Like it helps people uh, who are reeling from tragedies like suicide or terrorism or mass shootings to feel like they're contributing something meaningful, uh, and that you aren't helpless at all. But it's it's an illusion. You're you're not actually affecting anything. You're not making a change. Uh, so don't let Im- imaginary online activism uh, prevent you from from making a meaningful contribution. Uh, yeah. On that note, I'm gonna get uh, Anthony Jeselnik uh, to to play us out uh, from <laughs> Not his... of the podcast out of this section. Yeah, out of this uh, before we go to our next segment with uh, something that that sums up my feelings on it quite nicely. This is who I'm making fun of when I make a joke on Twitter the day of a tragedy. The people who see something horrible happen in the world and they run to the internet and they run to their social media, their Facebook, their Twitter, whatever they got, and they all write down the exact same thing. My thoughts and prayers. <laughs> My thoughts and prayers with the people in Aurora. My thoughts and prayers with the families in Boston. Do you know what that's worth? Fucking nothing. (laughs) Fucking less than nothing. Less than nothing. You are not giving any of your time, your money, or even your compassion. All you are doing, all you are doing is saying, don't forget about me today. Don't forget about me.
Lots of crazy distractions in the news right now, but don't forget how sad I am. Those people are worthless and they deserve to be made fun of. They're like a wedding photographer who only takes selfies. Hello. Well, now that everybody's turned us off, we can get back to stuff that won't piss people off as much. Yeah, now that we've hemorrhaged our uh, our few remaining listeners. And if you're still here, thanks for sticking around. That was a half hour that probably pissed a lot of people off, but... Or maybe not. Maybe we're just over-exaggerating how pissed off people get at our opinions and self-grandizing and making our opinions sound more robust than they actually are. I think if we can hit a point where we can just become like a perpetual motion machine of outrage where we're generating the outrage that we're covering, like that's that's anyone's dream, right? Yeah. That's... (laughs) That's like having your cake and eating it, too. Uh, Ladies of the world, rejoice. After centuries of being limited to sipping wine spritzers and uh, and vodka beverages with your girls, uh, there's now a ladies' beer on the market. And everybody's pissed off that the world's first female beer is out. But I got to correct you, because there have been other beers targeted at women. As far back as 2011, there was a beer called Chick Beer. Uh, There's a Tasty Lady label in the Netherlands that's brewed by five ladies, four ladies. And there is even a She Beer in 2015. Yeah, so uh, Czech Brewery this week announced uh, the er erroneously labeled First Women for Beer, or... First beer for women, there. <laughs> did I just do that? Yeah, I think you did. The first beer for women called Arosa? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's like, if you're supposed to pronounce that Arosia or some Czechoslovakian pronunciation of those that word. But the brewery goes by the same name as the beer Arosia. And it is actually not sexist like the outcries say because a woman came up with it. Yeah, and as we all know, uh, the first uh, step towards solving sexism is to let women come up with uh, their own ideas. Cynical. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we just we just lost everybody (laughs) who stuck around. Well, we can talk about whatever for the rest of this (laughs) episode. Now it doesn't even matter. No, what I'm saying is, I might be new to this whole sexism thing, but doesn't it take down the sexism enough if, like. I could see if a guy was like, oh, girls can't drink the same beer, have one. But it's like a girl was like, oh, here's some beer that women can enjoy now. It's still a cyn- like it's uh, the cynical marketing ploy. Like there's oh. no like why why could a woman not drink? Actually, the uh, the quote by the person who came up with it, Marina Smir- Smirova, sorry, says that the beer is a representation of a woman's strength and a girl's tenderness. And that made me really awkward to read out loud. I don't think I should be legally allowed to say girl's tenderness together. Yeah. Last podcast. time you said that, you got in some trouble with the law. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's good that we're at an enlightened enough uh, state where, we're A, we're allowing women to like own a beer company that's cool yeah I that's mean, a cool thing we let a girl be doctor who yeah and now she can have some beer to look drink. at all the progress we've had guys oh sexism is officially eliminated yeah uh you can you can crack open a lady beer while watching your lady doctor who yeah and everything's uh except just, for that the pay gap that's, just don't look in any country that's not first world yeah well even first like we're we're fucking we're not is i it, mean we're better but we're still not yeah, we're not perfect. We're not where I don't have to go make all the money level, which would be nice. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, I don't make that much money, but I, I make half. It would be nice to not make any. To not make any money? Yeah, and then just be supported. Yeah. Like, back from what women were saying was sexist and they were only stay-at-home moms and they weren't allowed to have jobs. You're saying phone. you'd like to be the stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Minus, Without children. Minus the child rearing. Yeah, I would like to be the stay-at-home slob who Yeah, plays video games. I mean, and then we could fight that by coming out with, like, 
boner beer with a great big dick on the can. Dude beer. There's already a <laughs> there dude beer. There is a dude beer. I wonder if that was actually put out by the same brewery that did uh, Chick Beer. This is not by the long shot uh, the first uh, time a product has been like stupidly. There were even like Bic, Bic pens for women. Do you yeah, remember this? Yeah, for her. Yeah, they were, they were pink. Were they different shaped at all? I don't or? like little uh, made for dainty little lady <laughs> hands. Spoiler alert: if there's a pi- if there's a pink ballpoint pen, that's the one I'm using, and it's not because. Oh yeah, we had previously discussed your love. Yeah, I do love pink. You're, it started off as ironic, moved into non-ironic. Yeah. So all these lady products are actually also uh, indirectly marketed towards Dale. It's true. Have you shaved your face with a Venus? What the, is that? It's like the lady leg shaver. Like, I guess it's like the lady version of the Mach 3. So, but is it actually like, so the thing I understand about lady uh, shaving, not an expert, but there's a lot more. Tell that to his internet <laughs> history, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> there's a lot more like a- angles. And like, I'd say there's less uh, angles because it's just a long swipe. Yeah, you got your knees, but a guy has like his chin, like all those zits and moles. Uh, I well, hope a lady doesn't have zits and moles speak, all over her speak legs. Speak for yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, Derek, the only dude ever who's never Flawless. had zits. Never had a mole. Or no, but I what did I not think, have teenage acne. Okay, this is Doctor Dale Science, and this is the difference between a male and female shaver. They're different colors. No, actually, it. I think what it is is the Venus kind of has a wider head, so it has more um, contact with the skin, and so it doesn't kind of it doesn't have the ability to get into cracks to cut you the same way. Because I found I cut myself a lot less with the Venus. Not that I was cutting myself a lot because I'm good at everything I do, and that includes shaving. But on the odd chance that I would, it was a tiny bit less. It could just be that they're also childproofing the razors because ladies are not so good at uh, well, Whoa! anything. So, Whoa! That's a joke. That's a joke. Whoa! <laughs> was that right? uh, I'm, I'm asking Dr. Google if this. So just, you know, uh, riff on the, the oh, razor yeah, thing a little bit more. Yeah, riff on the lady shavers. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting to all our listeners. So, listeners, men and ladies, let's... Let's get to know Dale. Okay, here we go. Uh, No, you're saved. (laughs) Okay, good. uh, So, first of all, women's razors are generally more expensive than men's, which is good to know. Because. Nah. Yeah. Because they're, I think this is true of uh, any lady product, actually. You can slap a markup on it, and uh, women will pay that for, say, a beer custom tailored to their uh, refined womanly tastes. Well, Arosia is cited as having a Pinterest-worthy font. <laughs> is that something that <laughs> yeah, is said? Yeah, that's <laughs> something that was that somebody put on the internet oh, and expected God. it to just be okay. Uh, They're like, yeah, this beer is sexist, but I'm also going to bring up the fact that Pinterest is Yeah, what else women. do women like? Uh, mm. Pinterest, uh, cooking, mm, yeah, uh, uh, baby having, uh, yeah. uh, hearts oh fuck this surprised me did you see the uh it was a thing on the internet last week two weeks ago about uh it was a like a flotation device for a pool that yeah. that looked like a giant sanitary pad like a, <laughs> it was the best thing well we'll post a picture on the old Wait, Twitter like feed. uh like a maxi pad yeah. Like oh, looked, like a period pad. Yeah. Like, yeah. why did you say sanitary? Because that's that's the like the diplomatic. That's that the, could be a sponge you use for cleaning the wall. <laughs> Who has ever called a sponge well, a sanitary? No, pad? like I'm just saying, Eddie. If you say sanitary pad, it just sounds like a pad to be used oh. for sanitary. Well, is that purposes. like a mat for your garbage? Or just <laughs> say no, it's period called. pad. That's what it says on the box. Derek, nobody's listening anymore. Yeah, that's Nobody true. Cares. It doesn't matter. So the menstruation. <laughs> Pad. Uh, for starters, women typically use razors to shave a much larger surface area than men, 18 times as much by some estimates. Like their butts. <laughs> uh, in anticipation of this, many razors made for women are built with a head that is more rounded and often much larger. Uh, maybe that's why. Are you, I, I'm not going to It make... worked for me because I have a big face. I, I was going to make what a joke you? about the big round. Don't. Head. 
but <laughs> so we're, I think we're better the, than that. The winds out of those sails. Uh, flip side, men's razors are designed to facilitate more accurate facial grooming with smaller heads around the blades, as well as having the blades more tightly packed. Man, this article is <laughs> wow. full of innuendo. This is this penthouse form, <laughs> or is this a fucking internet write-up on shavers? Uh, tightly packed blades. Down. Downside is that you have to be slightly more careful when shaving if you want to avoid accidentally cutting yourself, which is something that Dale's dumb ass obviously failed to do. Yeah. So, wait. The men's cut yourself more? Yeah. I knew it. Uh, Thank you, angle Dr. Thank you, and Kugel. handle shape allows women to see better what they're shaving when they're looking down at their legs versus men looking into a mirror. Oh. A lot of shit you don't really can. I've never thought about the differences in how we shave. This is riveting. So it could also be that this lady beer is designed to like fit perfectly in. Uh, I just I just want to make jokes about this lady beer not being as tightly packed. Yeah, as <laughs> just men's go, go beer, for it. but it has a bigger, wider. Do you think? Let's let's talk about the orifice of the bottle, shall we? Do you think it's the same size as regular beer bottles? Because. Physically, on average, women have smaller mouths than men. Yeah. As you can hear from this podcast. We <laughs> do have quite... Hey, yo, <laughs> self-burn! Both literally and metaphorically. <laughs> we both have big mouths. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think, like... Because the bo- the, there was talk about the bottle being different shaped for feminine hands, but... I thought that was someone just taking the piss. Yeah, all I saw was that it was pink. Uh, the Pinterest-worthy font thing was news to me, but that does seem like something women would appreciate. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm just... Uh, uh, ooh, uh, this is me Googling. Beer Derek's for her a is lot here. Better. Oh, yeah, it looks like little champagne bottles. Oh, that's that's actually kind of cute. Aw. Oh, and it's like a pinky-gray marble color. Oh, well, we should get... <laughs> But the no. head of it looks very phallic. I'm just yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably not accidental. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, ladies, if you've always wanted to try beer but were afraid that the uh, blue, mostly blue and silver and black colorings were... Uh, Too masculine for you, would make you grow a mustache or a pot belly. You didn't want to look weird at the bar with your hand on a regular size beer. You can now finally get this dainty... Beer. No word on what it tastes like. Uh, I, I assume... Uh, it's a Czech beer, so it's probably going to be like a crispy Pilsner-esque taste. Yeah. Maybe like they light. put some, some uh, you know, some flower petals floating in there. Yeah. Uh, lavender. Lavender-flavored mm-hmm, beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could... Smells like rose stuff. I think with every passing episode, it becomes more apparent to me how little we know about women. <laughs> like, I'm Derek. just like, what do ladies like? Um, uh, I've spent the better we... part of my adult life living with one. Yeah, there, tell was, there was a point where I was like, I honestly want to know everything about women so that I can get along with them better. And then I was just like, huh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, they look down at their legs to shave them? They <laughs> yeah, don't what? do it in a mirror also? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, like, wouldn't you... I mean, if I was a girl and I had a girl body, I'd be in the bathtub with a mirror the whole time. I now, Well, <laughs> now I'm thinking about it, and that's just not... Moving on to other <laughs> stuff for ladies. Uh, hey, how about a terrible segue? English English songstress song song songster stir songstress would be female. Yeah, but shouldn't he be Kruger? called a songstress because only women listen to his music? Musician could look it up. Uh, Ed no. Sheeran. So Game of Thrones came back last week uh for its second to last season what season's it on nine uh no this will be this is seven seven right now eight will, will be the last one i think the better question is how many seasons has it been since they ran out of books uh to base it on? i believe that was like halfway through last season so what's that guy gonna do like well that's the just... thing they're saying now that like george R. R. martin doesn't even have to finish the books or he can write a different story or he can write adaptations of his own story that other people are writing for him which i honestly don't even think he's gonna finish the fucking books at this point it's been like eight years since the yeah last one i came don't out, i so. don't think he was like 
he knew how to finish the books anyway because he was like, ah, you're really attracted to this character. I don't really know what to do further into this arc, so I'm going to kill him. Plus, he's probably too busy Scrooge McDucking, uh, swimming through a vault of money from yeah. this fucking TV show. So, uh, or maybe we'll find out that Ed Sheeran actually made it a cameo in the books as well and that this was being <laughs> true to the source yeah. material. In brackets, this is Ed Sheeran. Um, Maisie Williams, the actress who plays uh, Arya Stark, apparently a big Ed Sheeran fan. So, uh, I think it was her birthday or something, but to, to celebrate uh, or to reward her, uh, they recorded a scene where Ed Sheeran played a Lannister soldier that Arya Stark encounters on the road. Uh, fans of the show went nuts uh, to the point where Ed Sheeran actually had to delete his Twitter account. Which, shame on you. Wait, uh, shame on you, GOT fans. I mean, Ed Sheeran seems like a pretty, like, nice, inoffensive, You should be making guy. fun of him for his terrible music. Yeah. And leave his appearance on Game of Thrones well, yeah, alone. Yeah, it's like, fuck, man. There's so many more things to, like, taunt Ed Sheeran for. Like, he should have yeah. left Twitter years ago. Yeah, like those glasses <laughs> he wears? Come on. That's low-hanging fruit. That's a layup. Um, but, yeah, Ed Sheeran cameo on, uh, on Game of Thrones. People were mega upset, which is weird because there have been, uh, I actually did some some research on this, there have been lots of cameos on Game of Thrones from musicians specifically throughout the seasons. Uh, Coldplay's drummer was in the episode The Red Wedding as part of the band that plays uh, the Lannister theme song before. Uh, stop listening now if you haven't watched the show, but before The Red Wedding where like everyone is uh, murdered. murdered. Thanks, Dale. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the rest of this. Uh, what what else? There was... Uh, P.S. The only thing that exciting happens in Game of Thrones ever is the characters you like get murdered, and then you have to put up with talking and walking. Yeah. I, I don't... I'm, I'm I've checked out on the show, by the way, so I'm cynical of it, and I no longer enjoy I'm it. A, see, uh, I think you checked out the wrong time because now they have like 16 episodes left to wrap up the whole thing. So it's just going to be balls to the wall action to the wall. <laughs> get it? Get it? Oh, yeah. Because there's the wall. Made of ice. Yeah. Right? I get it. Uh, all right. I'm just butthurt there's no more giant fights. That was what, two seasons ago? They had this fight with these giants? And oh, then... this e on this episode, in the latest one, they showed uh, the army of White Walkers advancing on the wall, and there were some fucking uh, giants? zombie giants, man. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty okay. baller. I Dale's take, back in. I take back what I said about Game of Thrones being unexciting, and the fact that there's zombie giants kind of got me back into it. There you go. I knew that's all it would take. Uh, a guy from Snow Patrol... Uh, had a cameo, uh, Sig Sigur Rose? Sigur Ross? Sigur Rose? Sigur Ross? How do you pronounce that? I think it's Sigur Ross. I've care. never actually heard her name. I've only seen it printed. We should ask, uh, Brendan. They, they <laughs> played the, uh, band, they played Joffrey's Wedding, uh, of Monsters and Men had a cameo, and, uh, actually my favorite, which I had no idea this was true, uh, members of the metal band Mastodon, played wildlings in uh yeah. zombie wildlings in the the episode where uh the wildlings and the white walkers have their their battle so that's pretty sweet i mean none of these musicians had to delete their twitter accounts over outcry i don't know why i mean yeah ed sheeran was singing an awful song but to me the most offensive thing about that scene is that Arya stark uh encounters four uh, Lannister guards on the road and doesn't just like slaughter the shit out of them. Yeah, she's all like, "Oh hey, oh I'm gonna sit down and my eat some of your food." Hey. Oh, it's Ed Sheeran. I really like you. Please sing me a song. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. I, I don't think there was. Did a lot. he actually sing? I didn't. Yeah, watch he it. said. He sang, so oh. it was like, yeah, he sang like 15 seconds of a song. Game of Thrones also does like these musical tie-ins where I think they release like. Uh, Al like albums, like uh, soundtracks for each season oh, or something? Oh, yeah, so this, that was probably, basically that was just their cash grab being like, here's the music inspired and based on the Game of Thrones series with an Ed, Sh Ed Shearing song. Yeah, it's like you need you need a bankable, so for every soundtrack you'll have like, uh, like if you have a movie soundtrack, you'll have like 10 songs composed by Hans Zimmer that nobody fucking cares about. Yeah. And then you'll have one song that like Kanye West and Taylor Swift do a duet on. Yeah. And that'll make you all your soundtrack money. Yeah. And then you'll have stuff that people, 
they use like a 10 second sound clip and that like this and then the whole song will be on the album yeah so I'm looking forward to uh, tonight's episode to seeing what's uh, awful maybe they'll have like a Bieber uh, a Bieber cameo I hope he takes his shirt off next topic Dan <laughs> <laughs> you killed it did I did Ed Shearing take his shirt what? off what <laughs> Not no, that I he's wearing want like a full suit of. He's a fucking to see knight. His um, shirt. He's probably like he's a pasty Off. little scrawny ginger dude. I can't. Yeah. What is Ed Sheeran? Now I'm gonna Google Ed Sheeran shirtless. Uh, <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Do You're it. gonna ruin everything. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Donald? Okay. I'm just gonna. We're not gonna talk about Donald Trump. I'm just gonna say he's been in office for six months, and Ed Sheeran has a chest tattoo. What? Holy shit! He's got sleeves. It's a lion. Okay, it's a teddy bear. Fuck. Whatever. I was like, oh my god, Ed Sheeran has fucking sleeves, and now he looks tough. But on his right bicep, he has a huge teddy it's bear. It's a teddy bear, dude. This guy is covered in tattoos. I think. Yeah. Like, well, that is old him. I guess he just wanted to look tough. If you make awful music, that's probably the best best way to go about it. So anyways, Donald Trump's been in office for six months, and um, he's said 414 false things. Provably false. Like, that's, yeah. like, immediate. You can just, like, research and see that Donald Trump uh, was not being honest. Yeah, so that's, like... Over two times a day, he said something wrong. And that's about all I want to talk about Donald Trump. Yeah, I think uh, that's Oh, I also... guess we should mention that Spicer quit. Yeah, yeah, Spicy was on his way out anyway. Yeah, I mean, you can't really just fucking flub it like that. <laughs> I love that people are like, so Donald Trump has proven himself to be like this ruthless, uh, at least to his like inner circle like if if you piss him off or you make him unhappy or you don't meet expectations he will You're just fired. Like, he will that was a great impression he will uh, you fired you fired you fired you fired he will like uh, kick your ass to the curb with no remorse uh at all and yet people are still uh lining up to kiss his ass and be included in i mean i guess you stand a better chance with Donald Trump at making like his his inner circle as uh, uh, than any other president because yeah. he has such a high turnover. Like if he mm. like swaps out the press secretary say six or seven times during his tenure uh, as president, then that's like a one in seven chance you have of making it. Whereas Obama's press secretary was there the whole eight years. Yeah, I think that's just an assumption. I'd I'd assume the same thing. My favorite thing about Spicer quitting was there was an article saying that he stole the staff's mini fridge when he left. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's that's a dick move. Like you quit and you'd be like, take this job and shove it. I'm taking your fucking fridge. I would absolutely do that. If my job fired yeah. me, I would uh, find anything that wasn't bolted down to yeah. uh, to take with me. And I'm not a I'm not really gonna delve into Spicer's history or what makes him good or bad, but I kind of like the ballsiness of just taking a fridge yeah. when you leave. No, I think that's the the uh, most impressive thing Spicer has done over the past six months. Yeah. Uh, easily. Uh, again, Trump has said all this like laughably false shit. No one, no one really cares. His supporters still support him. Uh, his detractors still hate him. Uh, nobody is swayed by the fact that we quite possibly have the most dishonest president in U.S. history. I think it's good because it finally proves that it just doesn't fucking matter who's president. Yeah, dude. Like, I'm really curious to see where U.S. politics kind of goes after this because yeah. now that they've been like, you can you can just fucking make shit up as you go yeah. and you can invent shit. Oh, guess what? It doesn't actually matter who's president. Like, it seemed like it mattered when Obama was there. Like, yeah. when Bush was there, you're like, wait, is this is this position as important as it, we think it is? No. And then Obama was there, and you're like, oh, wow, he's actually doing shit. He's getting all this shit done. But it turns out maybe he didn't. Maybe all that shit that Obama did was just whatever, the Democratic Party doing it, and then him being a pretty face on top of it. Yeah, I'm still looking at Ed Sheeran's chest tattoo. Sorry oh about God. that. <laughs> the so this goes back to the Chester Bennington thing, but like we live in like this post-truth world. So 
after Chester Bennington's suicide, uh, someone who I'm Facebook friends with, I don't even know how I know this person really, but I'm Facebook friends with them somehow, posted an article about how uh, Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell uh, had both been murdered by uh, some shadowy uh, network of pedophiles because they were both investigating uh, Hollywood pedophilia and they were about to like uh, blow the the roof off the whole thing which like hey it sounds like a fucking plot to like an awful awful B movie like it's awful? just awful that sounds like an amazing <laughs> okay plot to a movie. Oh, let's script it up yeah. but the thing that blew me away is that this post that this person shared had like 30 comments from adults on it and they were all like oh wow i had no idea and like <laughs> oh yeah that totally makes sense like i can't believe this and like why are more people wise to this and like ragging on the mainstream media and no one person was like you're a fucking idiot if yeah. you believe this like your brain is fundamentally fucked up if you find it more believable that uh, they were secretly murdered for investigating uh, the secret pedophile. Like, what makes people believe this shit now? I think, like me personally, I don't actually believe conspiracy theories, but it's more like Norse mythology. I don't believe that Thor existed or that Loki was his brother or was it Zeus? Or was that Greek? Uh, uh, Odin, yeah. Oh, Zeus yeah, that Odin was their father, but... It's pretty interesting to believe, and the movies are pretty good, so I like it. It's just conspiracy theories are, I just entertain them because they're totally interesting to me. And like I get lizard that. Lizard people, like, like that's fucking awesome. It's, it's, it's not real. Isn't it? No, it just, it just, because if you think about it, the world we live in is pretty mundane. It's just all these accidents and coincidences happening to make life possible on a planet in our solar system that every other one is bare and then somehow we get conscious minds and then we just fucking live and we're just doing this stuff and there ultimately is no purpose. But then if you think about that, that's horribly depressing. But so, if you think there's lizard people, then you're it just kind of or gives your degree of separation. Fighting a shadowy network of pedophiles. Yeah, maybe it's part of the like – also, the the mission to attribute greater meaning to our lives. Yeah, uh, that could be it. Which, I mean, sure, great. You're fucking doing it in your own way, whether you're sharing a suicide hotline number or you're investigating uh, uh, pet, pet, pedophiles in Hollywood. And no offense to Chester Bennington and why did I just draw a blank on that guy's name? Chris, Chris Cornell. Cornell. But I'm pretty sure that you could find pretty much anybody that would be a better investigator than these two like, yeah i don't think these guys went to detective school or yeah, anything i mean like that. they i as far as i know they didn't even go to college <laughs> they probably didn't even really pay attention in high school so how are they gonna solve mysteries like if you want somebody to crack the lid on this pedophilia ring maybe go to harvard or yale or, or yeah or like involve the fbi or the cia oh, or but they're in on it Oh, yeah, no, that, that's right. So, actually, what you should do, is, since this is going to be a terrible B-movie plot, is you should get a disgraced FBI agent who was let go for not taking orders and letting stuff go. Yeah, a loose cannon, a yeah. lone wolf. Yeah, exactly. Just going out. He's and uncontrollable, Murphy. <laughs> we got to get rid of him. That's who you get to solve a secret pedophilia. He's going to blow the lid off this whole thing and I won't be able to touch kids anymore. He's going to take us all down with him. <laughs> all right, fuck. Anything else you wanted to touch on this week? Uh, does anybody care about Pokemon Go still? Oh, yeah. Pokemon Go, uh, for those of you who remember, that was a thing a year ago, like, blew up into this huge cultural phenomenon. Apparently, I, I just find this funny. Uh, apparently, there are still people who play it. So to kind of mark the one-year anniversary, they held this uh, this big Pokemon Go Fest. It was, yeah, it was like a festival in a park in Chicago that people paid money to attend in person. And then they did, like, all this uh, extra special shit for Pokemon Go players all over the place. So what they did was 
They launched legendary Pokemon. I kind of looked into this Fucking because nerd. once in a while, well, actually, what happened is Pokemon Go is now the final version of the game because a year ago when they launched, it was still a beta. Blah blah blah, nerd talk. So now it's the actual game. Wait, it took them a whole year to get through their beta. Yeah, and it's still not that great. It's not that good of a game. I never understood why it was that popular. It's just something to go through and find Pokemon. So, anyways. The launch, or this Pokemon Fest, was the launch of Legendary Pokemon, and there was going to be one specific Pokemon at Chicago at the Chicago Park that you could catch. It starts with an H. I don't remember. Probably should have looked it up. But he like you don't know all the Pokemon no, by heart. I knew half of the 150 originals, but then there's way too many. Anyway, so oh, have they made new ones just for this game or what? No, they added. The next gen, like every generation of Pokemon, is I don't, I don't know the Pokemon, like an extra couple hundred Pokemon. All right, and half, like six months ago or whatever, they launched the next two hundred or so. So now there's three hundred fifty Pokemon you could catch. But the way it works is it's all based on geotagging. So you can put, you could grab certain Pokemon in certain areas of the world. And this one legendary Pokemon you can't get in Chicago, so they're putting them in Chicago for this specific fest and a side note i caught a pikachu that's wearing a baseball cap nobody cares about any of this anyways uh, a bunch of people showed up <laughs> for this fucking <laughs> event uh, and for anyone who played pokemon go when it first launched or at any point over the past year they would uh know that pokemon go has been notorious for like servers crashing uh and just shit not functioning the way it's yeah, supposed to the big not work so they had so in a stroke of genius they decided to have like all their most fervent supporters the kind of people who would pay money to attend a pokemon go themed event 20,000 show up to an event and then not prepare for it technologically uh the the servers all shit the bed people weren't even able to log in and play the game the cell phone signals, they overloaded those. So yeah, those cell phone signals. Were, like, this was the most poorly executed event in uh, since Fire Festival, probably. Yeah. Um, and at least they weren't on an island. That is true. <laughs> they were able to eat food. Yeah. Um, but uh, it got to the point where they were showing a, uh, a live stream of it on Twitch, and it got to the point where they, like, had to cut the live stream and turn off chat because it was just this... Uh, enormous fail where everyone was shitting on the company and yeah. not not really uh, the PR uh, stunt that they hoped. Basically, it, would be. it was surreal because real life turned into a YouTube comment section, <laughs> and it was just a whole bunch of angry nerds shouting. Uh, the founder of Niantic or whatever the company that made Pokemon Go was trying to make a stage announcement and people were just all screaming your game's broken it doesn't work and pokemon go actually gave all the people who paid to go to this fest it refunded their money and gave them a hundred dollars worth of in-game poke currency yeah so on top of everything it cost them to host this event they ended up like I, I mean, I'm sure they'll break even on it with the amount of money that, like, people probably spent playing this game for the event yesterday. I mean, but. I re-downloaded it reading about this fest because I was like, oh, shit, legendary Pokemon? I'll play this game for another two days like I do every six months or so. All right, on that note, my uh, kid's awake and making shitty noise behind me, so we're going to log off. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have any feedback on this episode, specifically the part where we talked about uh, the suicide stuff, tweet at Dale because I'm sick of fucking hearing about it. And my feed is basically empty, so I welcome all comers. <laughs> um, you can reach us at Outrage Fact Pod. Uh, we're available on Stitcher, uh, Outrage Factory, SoundCloud, Outrage Factory. Uh, we're, we, we have, have a Facebook page. We have page. a Facebook Out- page. Outrage Fact Pod. Yep. Okay. Something like that. Uh, you we can have, tweet you me say the Gmail? at Herder. Oh, yeah. The Outreach Factory at gmail.com if you'd like to email us. Does anybody use email anymore? I don't know. Not. We should start a Slack channel. I'll explain it to you after we're done recording this episode. Uh, okay. Uh, you can reach like me Laserdisc at Herder. Something that's just not going to catch on. You can reach him at SuperDaleBot. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. SuperDaleBot. SuperDaleBot. All right. Uh, as always. Thanks for listening. Noah, come here for a second. Yeah, Noah, come here. Do you want to be on the podcast? Say, stay angry.
stay angry. All right. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Bye. He rode through the streets of the city, down from his hill on high. Over the winds and the steps and the cobble, he rode to a woman's side. For she was his secret treasure, she was his shame and his bliss. And a chain and a key are nothing compared to a woman's kiss. For hands of gold are always cold, but a woman's hands are warm. Yeah.